Welcome to Conversations from Here with me, Dana Ziegler. These candid, unfettered talks create connection and inspiration across the human story. These are the sharings of how we came to be ourselves, how we found our life's purpose, and how we made it from there to here. I speak with performers, artists, artisans, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, and other remarkable people about what they do and how they came to do it. Also, the music you hear on this show is performed, as always, by Brad Watson. Today I speak with Queen's native jewelry designer, community builder, and fashion alchemist, Seville Michelle. Her creations have graced the likes of Alicia Keys, Jennifer Lopez, Beyonce, Lizzo, Rihanna, and Roxanne Chante. We talk about her upbringing in Queens as the child of Cuban and Greek immigrants, finding inspiration from growing up in such a diverse neighborhood, honoring her roots through her jewelry making, getting noticed by icons of the music industry, creating community healing through craft, and what she's doing now. Seville is offering a special gift to Conversations from Here listeners. Thank you, Seville. If you go to her website, which is linked below, use the code CFH10, that's CFH10, for 10% off her products, site-wide. Special gift. Thank you so much. It's an inspirational and uniquely American story. Enjoy. Here's me in Seville. Now, oh, that was weird. It, it's talking back to me. Hello, Seville Michelle. Thanks so much for doing Hello. this today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm really thrilled um, because you've, you have an amazing story. Um, so uh, to begin, I know that you're from New York and I know that you come, your dad's family was Greek and your mama's family was from Cuba. And uh, tell me a little bit about what it, what, what it was like growing up in New York at the time. Yeah, so I grew up in New York in New York, uh, in, in Queens specifically, and in the 90s. And it was amazing. I'm from the most culturally and ethnically diverse place in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, it was cool. I mean, going to school every day was like, you know, the United Colors of Benetton. Everybody looked so different than one another. And it, you know, it was the way it was, you know, it wasn't until, 
you know, I got a little bit older, I was like, wow, the rest of the country and the world really isn't like this. And um, that was a surprise. Um, but at home, we spoke English because my parents uh, were both from, as you say, um, another, you know, two different uh, ethnicities. And so the only way that they can communicate was in the English language. So uh, it was wild because we had like the Greek channel in one room blaring like Greek, you know, news. And then in the other room, it was like Telemundo and Univision <laughs> blaring that. And it was so wild. And then we had like, you know, Woody Woodpecker in the living room. And this all, mind you, happened in an apartment that was like 600 square feet. Mm -hmm. And there were two adults and three kids. And wow. we all, you know, it's not like California living. It was like no space, no yeah. privacy, you know. So it made me cherish all those things now. My privacy and um, uh, I guess and my neighborhood, my the diversity in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're enjoying your quiet when you have it. Oh my God. You know, for years I didn't have a television because I was so mm -hmm. shell-shocked from the loud blaring sounds of a uh, the television, you know? And so I didn't have a TV for probably 10 years when I lived on my own, no TV, didn't care for it. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good thing because yeah. you gotta focus on your creativity. You're not distracted by all this stuff going on. Yeah, exactly, and I don't get anything from it. You know, I don't, it's not like, having a television is enhancing, you know, any, any, it's not expanding anything in me. If it did, I would have one, but it was more of like a bane of my existence growing up. So I just wanted to get away from it. Yeah. So tell me about um, uh, going to school in, uh, in Queens. Uh, what'd you say? School in Queens? School, yeah. Just growing up as a kid. Uh, school was, uh school was cool i mean i it was a landscape of just really community and then i think education was like secondary to that mm -hmm. um but it uh enriched my uh the way i see the world and it really made me uh appreciate um diversity not to be like redundant but it is a big part of the reason why you know I create all-inclusive jewelry and mm -hmm. you know I I think of people all colors all sizes like my motto is um earrings because my focus is uh, in jewelry is art mm -hmm. earrings Earrings. And my, my motto is earrings come in all, all shapes, colors, and sizes. And were, were you making, were you making jewelry and making earrings at the time? No, I always had a critical eye and I was always like the best, one of the best, well, one of the best dressed. So it was hard to be the best dressed in a place like Queens coming up. Where <laughs> Got a lot of competition. <laughs> yeah. Like being fresh was like top villain, you know, yeah. it was a priority for every kid. It was you know, even though we came from a middle-class family um, and 
the community that I live in were, was uh, low income uh, to medium uh, income family work. Um, but no one was, you know, no one was raking in the dough, but somehow we had like fresh starter jackets and fresh, fresh Timberlands or Nikes. And, you know, that was the focus. It was like, you know, were you fresh, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think people really liked you because of, you know, who you were, but also your freshness and you weren't ever disliked because of your race. It wasn't mm -hmm. the reason, you know, people didn't like you because you were a dick, you know? Right. And that's because you were, you know, from Bangladesh or Pakistani or Korean, you know, it was, it was because you were an asshole. <laughs> but your, but the reason that people would be drawn to you was your, like your style was your elevation. Sounds like. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was what, it was what, it uh, was like, you know, being a peacock. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, it was a great part of my life in Queens and it made me, you know, I've had so much um, success in terms of the type of people that wear my, like who wears my jewelry. Yes. And, and, and it couldn't have happened without that fresh, you know, entrance into, um, you know, into just what's cool. Sorry, I'm printing something. Um, and um, and so, yeah, it wouldn't it would have never happened. It wouldn't. I would have never had developed the critical eye that I have, and, and been able to, without like it was never my target to get like all these amazing women in my stuff. But they would have never noticed me had I not come from that fresh background well and i can say that the uh the modern day goddesses who wear your jewelry now are people the like, modern day what the modern day goddesses beyonce oh you went in and out on me sorry oh uh i was gonna say the modern day oh i can't hear you uh oh let me see can you hear me now yeah i got you. okay yeah i could hear you okay as I was, I was just saying that the modern day goddesses who wear your jewelry now are people like Beyonce and Rihanna and JLo and Alicia Keys and Lizzo. And, um, and, and uh, you're saying that this, this, this elevated street style that you created, that's, they, that, that this, this was your entree. Like if you hadn't come from that background yeah, there was no way I would have never had the lexicon to even create something like what I've created. Right, 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 right. You know, I have the vocabulary because I was in it. Right. You know, I was, um, and it's important that I make stuff for, or it's become, you know, not important, but a cherished part of what I do. But, you know, I always think of the girls that grew up in the same building as Alicia Keys in the mm -hmm. same building as Lizzo and how those same girls wear my stuff also. And the reason that they're able to wear my stuff is because my price point, I keep it low mm -hmm. because I want it to be accessible to all people. And, you know, when I, when for many years, you know, I, I met these clever business people and they would hound me about that you need to be high-end you need to double your prices you need to triple your prices and in my head i'm like no i don't 
right. I know what this stuff costs me and I know what, you know, my girls are willing to spend on it. Mm-hmm. There's no way, you know, people in business tend to be so greedy and they forget, you know, it's never been my mission to, you know, to exploit my gift and ability in design mm-hmm. to create, you know, jewelry that in in its own way is a bit of a frenzy. You know, I'm always busy, fortunately, and I always have something to do when it comes to my line. And, and so, but it's important that all of it is affordable, you know, um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it's because of where I come from, you know, on single parent homes and the friends that I grew up with and, you know, they struggled, they lived, you know, very check to check and, you know, they deserve cool stuff that Alicia Keys wears. So I keep the prices low so that those same gr- those same girls that grew up in the same buildings as Alicia, who still live there, who yeah. work in the supermarket in the same, you know, in their own community, can wear the same earrings that Alicia in 5E, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's now one of the most important voices in music of our generation. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So, so in, in, uh, in 2009, uh, you were doing epaulettes, uh, uh, shoulder yeah. jewelry. Tell me, tell me about that, about coming up with that. Yeah. So when I first started designing, I um, I wanted to, because I had no training, no technical training as a designer, and but I always had a critical eye, like I said, and. Um, when I traveled, the one thing that I would purchase would be accessories and jewelry. Mm-hmm. And so I had um, a, an understanding of what looked good. And um, I had this idea for this shoulder thing that would connect, you know, you, you could, that could, that would connect over your body and that you could wear over bare skin or over a jacket, a blazer. You could dress up anything and make it look like ready for a night out. Mm-hmm. And so I fabricated these epaulettes and they no one was doing them. In fact, Glamour Magazine it, it cites me as the inventor, Glamour.com invented, uh, cite, cites me as the inventor of the concept. And so um, I did that and I brought it into the Patricia Field store in New York. And as you may know, Patricia Field is the costume designer of Sex in the City, Ugly Betty, Devil Wears Prada, huge part of um, uh, fashion in New York and beyond and worldwide. She's had a store in New York, it's since closed, but since 1965, and I grew up going to her store shopping there. And she always had, you know, things that weren't always so cheap, but she, again, knew that there should be, fashion should be accessible. You should give quality things. And she always had a rack that was like 10 or $20. So I could always go in there and buy something, Mm -hmm. even if I wanted the $200, you know, plume jacket or, you know, 
And so um, I went into the store with my concepts, with my epaulets, and I said, I made these. Um, and they gave me an opportunity to sell them. And they kept selling out and I kept making them, they kept selling out. And uh, within a few weeks of making the epaulets, this is like my entrance into design. I had never done anything design wise prior to that. And at least not publicly. And Alicia, I ended up, I had a friend that was at a nightclub in the city and she was like, I'm here with Alicia Keys, a stylist. You should, you should come and you should wear your epaulette. And I was there within 20 minutes. Like I took a yellow cap. She was like, how'd you get here so fast from Queens? But I was so driven and I was so respond. I've always been so responsible when it comes to how I nurture and care for the things that I make. Mm-hmm. And so on site, he was like, I need a dozen for her world tour. And then um, within three weeks of that interaction with him, she was on the stage in Brazil, you know, singing Fallen in, in my in my epaulette. So uh, I was like, this is extraordinary. This is crazy. I only just did this, you know, two months ago, I started a month, a month and a half ago. This is crazy. And so I was like, I think I'm onto something. So I did the epaulets and I exasperated that because I'm a firm believer and in testing it, I can definitely say it's true and everyone should use that method is that you should introduce, you should do one thing, you should do it well. You should do one thing and do it well. So I did the one thing, which were variations on the epaulette Mm -hmm. and I exasperated that. And then um, when I you know, uh, when I was done with that, uh, creatively anyway, I introduced uh, a new concept that hadn't been seen before. And that was wrapping the uh, bamboo earring in Italian leather, which hadn't been done prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the door knocker, the door knocker. Yeah, the door knocker. And that was made famous by, you know, in the eighties by iconic female rappers like salt and pepper and Roxanne Chante, who was the first female rapper who ended up becoming sort of a mentor for me. She was from Queens and, um, and, um, and yeah, so I did that and that took off even more than the epaulets did. Like that was, that was crazy. You know, one of the things, you know, and it's still, Oh, sorry. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Roxanne Chante and I wanted to mention that the, the Netflix, show that she did and you did all the jewelry for that right yeah i did i did yeah so i did so she goes as roxanne shantae but her her name is actually shantae Mm -hmm. and she came she was one of my first supporters when i started designing the leather earrings which you know i i knew exactly who she was i grew up in queens less than a mile and a half from where she's from i went to high school two blocks from queensbridge housing projects and so um, it was, um, you know, so she, she, she got greenlit for the movie. It wasn't in the press yet. And she came to my house actually. And she was like, Seville, I am, they're doing a story, you know, Pharrell Williams and Forrest Whitaker, who were the executive producers. They were like, they just greenlit me and they're doing a story about my life growing up in Queensbridge. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's crazy. And I knew she deserved it because I know what she did for music 
and um, it was it was her time. And she was like, you know, the costume designer is great, but she doesn't know jewelry the way that you know jewelry. Can you step in and just do be the consulting jewelry designer for the film? And I was like, um, I would love to. And I did all of my, you know, uh, my designing, character plotting, and you know the gradual changes and. Shantae's jewelry, you know, from humble beginnings to, you know, um, making money and selling out shows. And so that was, that was an amazing, I actually, it's, I'm not credited for it, but I got all, I did also all of the product placements. So I got all the Puma, the Nike, the Adidas, the Kango. I contacted all those companies and I said, you know, they're doing a story about one of the most important figures in, um, in, in rap history who started, you know, as a, as a female rapper and you guys, she wore your stuff and, you know, I created my own deck and I really went after it. And there were some companies, you know, this was before Black Lives Matter and, you know, coming out of Queens and representing for all my people you know, I, I took real issue with companies, I won't say who, but like there were some companies that as soon as I said that it was a black cast, I never heard from them again. And there was one big, huge brand who um, I really got upset. And like, I caught, like I, I, I sent like a, like a nasty email to the publicist when I didn't hear back because the emails were flowing, she was really interested and I was withholding information. The fact that it was a black cast because I know, I knew, you know, how some of these brands re would react. Um, and I just went for her neck in that email. And she was like, oh my God, no, no. You know, it was like, oh no. And I said, you know what, we'll, we'll be fine without your brand. Now that you want to participate, I think we'll be okay without you guys. Um, and, um, you know, it's not cool. Um, but it was an amazing experience and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful film. It's done really well. No, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going put it on my list, put it on my list. Um, tell me a bit about Seville for the People, what your, uh, what that program is. Yes. So I started doing Seville for the People uh when actually when i first got to los angeles i'll be in la like three years and um i wanted to do something that involved community and so i started doing um creative and cognitive activities um with jewelry as a way to teach people the value of navigating a design and uh, teaching people that their choices um, are theirs to make every second. So like every time, you know, you pick a new object to add to your jewelry, you're making a choice and you're making a decision and it makes you stronger by each, by each, um, by each stroke. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I launched that and I quickly started working with the LA County Housing Development Authority and I went into um, developing communities or economically disadvantaged communities and did my thing and just, um, you know, brought some happiness and joy to 
to the community with my uh, with my candy making uh, jewelry can jewelry making with candy, mm -hmm. and then I also um, I also audition with the LA County Libraries. Mm -hmm. And I was selected to be what they call a performer. So going into, you know, all 74 locations here in Los Angeles and, you know, teaching people how to um, make jewelry with candy and then COVID hit. And then that was it. <laughs> and before, End of show. End of and, show. <laughs> and before, and before COVID hit. So these, uh, these folks that you were doing these workshops with, with the, the, the jewelry making with candy, that was also kids as well, right? Yes. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely with children. Yeah, it was uh, focused on, on kids. But then I also, with the LA County Library, my, uh, I was on the list for, as an entertainer for uh, children, but also on a separate list where the librarians could book me for adult programming. Mm -hmm. um, and the stuff I did with the LA Housing Development Authority was kid focused, but it was amazing because I had all of these adults sitting down at the table, you know, making candy jewelry and walking around with their like gummy necklace or their, <laughs> you know, and they loved them. They loved it. I even did the Abbott Kenny Festival and that was really mm -hmm. awesome. In Venice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really great experience. You know, um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned how you make as you're making jewelry and you're you're it's 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 a creative act and you're making the decision to put this this gummy here and this jelly bean here and whatnot and it's so analogous to life and how we make a yeah. decision every day with every thought with every word with every action. Yeah. A friend of mine said to me the other day, and I couldn't agree with her more, expression is medicine. And I love that. Absolutely. And yeah. I think when people find their voices and what, whatever that is, whether it's literally finding their voice in music or whether it's, whether it's creating something with their hands, um, it's very healing. I mean, I know that uh, there have been programs for people, survivors of trauma, who um, they're learning, they're learning uh, to make things with, you know, like uh, artisanal things, wh whether it be jewelry or whether it be, um, uh, or, or knitting, or doing something with the hand seems to be a very healing thing. Yes, absolutely. It is, um, you know, we've been sitting around in circles for thousands of years making stuff. You know, we, as human beings, that is what, you know, that's when we were cavemen, we were sitting around making stuff, so. And telling stories. Yeah, telling stories, but also making stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, making stuff to wear out, to hunt and, you know, um, and but sitting in circles and doing that. Yeah, I think so, of uh, also like the old timey uh, quilting circles. Yeah, you know, exactly. People are, people are connecting with community and they're, and they're all working on something together and how that brings people together in a really special way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, having that knowledge, um, you know, inspired me to create programming and with the, you know, COVID kind of easing up uh, with the vaccinations going around, I look forward to doing that again. Um, 
because it's so it's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun for me, and it's so fun for participants, and um, it's a great thing to share. So as things open up, you'll be doing more of that. And then, and then what else are you working on right now? Uh, what else am I working on now? Uh, I mean, I always have new stuff. I have a new thing that I'm working on that'll be coming out in the fall. Um, it'll be different than anything I've done before. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited. I got the first sample of it yesterday and it looks amazing. So I'm going to head to my factory and um, take a look in person, but it looks incredible. And I'm excited about that. And I think just um, finding ways where, you know, I could scale the business because, you know, I hand make everything and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a lot and I'm quite, I'm quite busy. So, um, you know, take, stepping away from that is kind of a, not something like I look and looking forward to, cause it does something for me, the, the making of everything. And people always tell me like when they wear my earrings, they feel so magical. They're like, I don't know what it is, but your earrings just make me feel like no other earrings I put on. And mm -hmm. I don't, I, I can only suspect that it's some part of my magic that's seeping into the jewelry or the fact that I, I do my Daimoku chanting and, you know, my jewelry is, you know, my materials on there nearby. And so the magic is seeping in through that. I don't know what it is, but, and I don't, I can't explain the amount of, celebrities that have worn my stuff very organically and like wear them repeatedly and like the same pair the mm -hmm. same pair it's like the same pair that she's had for years you know a couple of women and so I think of um, Jennifer Lopez being one of those women yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like that's that's amazing to me like I'm like I made those on my couch that's crazy yeah they're and she's and she's bringing them out you know time and time again and enjoying them yeah and they and you know what and they look good and they last mm -hmm. and they are made well so that makes me really happy because it's not like you can make cool stuff that like looks good but like to make cool stuff that looks good and that lasts like i have girls that tell me i've had my earrings for 10 years or a lot of women will tell me they have like a section in their bedroom like a drawer with velvet with a velvet bottom and they have all of my ear, just my earrings. All their other earrings are in like another case, but my earrings are take space in their homes in a you know in like a section that they dedicate just for my earrings. And they have you know a dozen pair, and you know, so that makes me really like wow, <laughs> that's amazing. You there's know, something, there's something also really special about things that are handmade. They're imbued with the essence of the maker. You know, it's not like they're not stamped out on a machine press. These are things that are crafted. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I should say also, I should mention that not only the earrings, but also you do these amazing chokers and chains yep. and stuff like that, which I've seen on your website. Yeah. And um, and the the new thing that will be coming out. So, um, um, but 
That's fantastic. But I, I want to thank you so much for your time today. This was this was thank really you. great. This was really fun and bless you for all the work that you do and these interesting podcasts that you share with the world so people could get a little glimpse of how the how the little people are doing. Well, I think there are so many stories that need to be told and and so that's what this is all about, you know? Yep, I would have to agree with you. Thank you, Seville. Thank you so and much. that was my brief but no less inspirational chat with jewelry designer and creator Seville Michelle. Thank you so much for your time today, Seville. And also thank you so much for your gift to my Conversations From Here listeners, 10% off on her beautiful queenly jewelry on her website. 10% off. Use discount code CFH10. That's CFH10. Take good care of yourselves. Take good care of each other. And as always, I will see you on the other side. Meanwhile, buy yourself some beautiful earrings today or some gorgeous chains and chokers from Seville Michelle's collection. It's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening.